0: The following sermon is from Christ Church, Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening.
1: And I am so excited because I have the week off this week from preaching. And, and, And if you know me, you realize that's not a typically exciting thing because I preach 50 weeks a year for the last seven years, I've done that. And the only time I'm not preaching is when I'm not in town, away with my family. But I have a special guest, a friend of mine, who's become a friend last year, and he was available to be here on site with us. And so we jumped at the chance to get him. Uh, Philip Cameron with dailyfaith.tv and the Orphan's Hands uh, invited me to be on his show uh, once last year. And he, at the end of the show, we had a, like a little debrief time. And he said he really enjoyed having me on and he'd like to have me again, which people don't usually have me again. and. Uh, <laughs> I take every opportunity to speak. He was just being nice, yeah. Uh, I figured that's what it was, I didn't think much of it. But then he actually did invite me to come back on again and I was like, oh wow, maybe we're supposed to be friends. That was Andrew, okay, all right, thank you for the, the heartbreaker. Uh, but I just, we just hit it off, we, felt, uh, we had a kindred spirit between us and I'm excited because uh, Philip is a guy who loves the Lord. He's been involved in full-time ministry for a very long time. Uh, You may be familiar with him from his extensive career in Christian broadcasting, um, but I want you to understand the calling that this man has and the impact that he's making for the kingdom of heaven uh, in Eastern Europe, in the country of Moldova and beyond that. And obviously uh, Eastern Europe has become the focal point of all of our attention and so not only are you gonna get a perspective of hands on the ground, what's going on there, what was happening before the conflict in Ukraine, how that's being impacted and how we can partner with brothers and sisters in Christ who are making a real difference in real people's lives right now in the place where all of us feel the most helpless to do anything. And so I am so excited to have him come and minister to us. So will you guys put a warm Christchurch welcome together for my brother and our friend, <laughs> Philip Cameron. Yeah, I'll bring it up for you.
2: Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hello. Let me tell you straight off the bat, I'm not American. I'm a Scotsman. And I want to tell you something else straight off the bat. You'll never hear that I was eaten by a shark. Never. You will also never hear that I died on Mount Everest. (laughs) And you will never hear that I died in a bar brawl. (laughs) That's just some things I know I'm safe from. Everything else we're up for grabs, but that there, uh, how this man can stand here with a straight face and tell you that he had an almost shark encounter and decided to stay on the board. He is not the kind of guy I'm to be in a fight with, I'm telling you now. <laughs> I'd be looking for him, I'd be saying, where are you going? I'm just curling my toes up and my fingers up. <laughs> it is a delight to be here. Um, we have been in Florida for the last week with my, my wife and my kids and my grandkids. We haven't had a break in over two years. We travel extensively across the world. And uh, so we took this week off, booked a uh, house down in Orlando area so all the, my kids could take their kids away <laughs> give me peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know you're in trouble when you get up at 7 in the morning and saying, where are you all going today? <laughs> M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-I-U-S-E. And uh, anyway... And I've, I have been, frankly, miserable the whole week because it landed in the most historic time of our lives. I don't know if you know it or not, but history is being made right now. Some of the older folk here will remember the days or the end days of um, Adolf Hitler and what he did in Europe. I can hardly believe that in my lifetime, I was raised in Scotland Uh, I was born in 1955. I'm 67 next month, just in case I don't want you spending the rest of the the, the 10, 47. I'm 67 on uh, the 27th of April, and you can get my address and send me a card if you feel so inclined. Anyway, never mind. (laughs) So, uh, but, but I grew up in a country that was still recovering from the bombardment of, uh, of bombs. Our town, our little town in the northeast of Scotland, was the last landfall that the German planes had before they went back across the North Sea, across Norway to Germany. And every night, people in our town was bombed to death, every night. Every morning, the newspapers gave a list of people who had died. And some of my friends at school Their grandparents died in the in the Blitz and the the bombings, so it's very real to us right now. We are we have a work for 30 years, 34 years ago. I adopted. Where are you, Andrew? Come up here just for one second. This is my son Andrew. I was living a very normal life on all the TV programs. I'd written a book on household salvation that sold 300,000 copies. I lived. A, I was living a crazy life. I preach on Sundays, fly home on Monday, spend the week pretty well, kind of goofing off. And then, and when my dad called me one day, and he says that our baby's dying, and I says, "What on earth are you talking about?" He says, "I'm watching the BBC, and that our baby's dying." And I says, "Are you what?" He, and then the next day he called me, he says that our baby's dying. I says, You told me that yesterday. And uh, the next day he called me, he says that our baby's dying. He was he was sick with with a cancer surgery and the wounded burst, he was in a terrible state. And he says, I'm going. And I says, No, you're not. You're sick and I'm busy. Because usually, if my dad decided to go somewhere, <laughs> my dad had a motto, why have a dog and bark yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Woof! He's been dead for 22 years, and I'm still barking, yeah. and he's up in heaven. <laughs> and uh, we went to Romania, and um, we found an orphanage, 200 kids starving to death. And uh, I walked in, and the smell of human waste. I almost vomited on the floor. dropped the, the box of baby milk that I had, and ran outside. Then he came back out. He says, "Get in!" I says, "No, I'm not going in there." I says you, I've, you wanted to go here, off you go. So he says, no, you can't embarrass these people. They live like this. Don't, don't offend them. So I said, look, if I stay here, I'm innocent. If I go in those doors, I am guilty. And he grabbed me by the scuff of my neck. And he says, well, you're going to have to be guilty. And he hauled me into hell. Babies standing in cribs rocking, covered in their own waist. 200 of them in this particular one orphanage. No toilets. They used coffee cans with rough, you know the old-fashioned can openers? That's what they sat them on for hours at a time. And in the middle of this bedlam, insanity, a wee face was looking at me. And it was him. And uh, I went over and picked him up. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, this is your son. As clear as I'm standing talking to you. And my dad came in. And I said, look at this boy, dad. I said, look at this. And my dad says, oh, he's a bonny boy. I says, no, no. I says, God wants me to adopt this little boy. And I made him up. I says, I don't know how much it will take and how long it will take. I don't care what it costs. But I'm not going to stop until I get you and make you my son. And one year later, one year later, he was in our arms in Alabama and God had opened the most ridiculous doors you've ever I've written a book called Our Bummer Lamb it's the craziest book you've ever read of the miracles when you are working and walking in the will of God he will make a way where there seems to be no way so here he is he's not so good looking as he was when I first saw him he's getting a bit old but on the 9th of April He is getting mad. Where's Yemi? Where's Come up? Stand up. Come up here a second. Just for a second. Just come up here a second. This is Andrew's fiance. And she is, she came into his life and stole him from me. I'll never forgive her as long as it's a terrible thing. Pray for grace if you would. It's a tough thing. And this is Yemi and she comes from Ethiopia. So, I have a Romanian son, and we'll have an Ethiopian daughter in law, whatever you call him. And uh, we are going to have the most gorgeous grandbabies soon in the name of Jesus. So, well, not so- Okay, so you're getting me in trouble. You can go now. Thank you. <laughs> he is reaching way above himself, my gosh. The saddest thing I ever saw in my life, Andrew. I hope you're praying every night and asking God for forgiveness. But anyway, so we, that began an adventure that we have been to Eastern Europe 200 times. We built uh, a village of homes in a country called Moldova. No one knew of Moldova till last week. No one knew where it was until last week. And I've been there so many times, know the place like it's home. And we take girls that that are in orphanages that are being put on the street when they're 16, and they put them on the street, and traffickers come and offer them bogus jobs and use them 30 to 50 times a day until they kill them. And this amazing, miraculous haven that we have built over the years called Vatra village. Vatra is the name from the region where it is. Vatra means hearth, as in a fireplace. And these kids come to us, we have a boys' home as well as girls' homes. And we also have a home in Odessa, Ukraine. I was coming back from Moldova one time to Atlanta, went past immigration and the man says, where have you been? I says, we've been in Moldova, my wife Chrissy and I. And he was about to stamp me, up and he went, where have you been? I says I'm um, He says this is crazy and I'm going yeah yeah it is. And he says you won't belie- I've just I've just been transferred up from the Caribbean. He says and we intercepted a container ship a container and a ship and there was it was from Odessa in the Ukraine and in it was 38 Moldovan girls shipped from Odessa. Go and look at the map and see how far Odessa is from the Caribbean. It's unbelievable. And um, I went out and went around the baggage claim and my wife says, uh, I guess we're going to Ukraine now, aren't we? I says, yep, we're going to Ukraine. So we have a gorgeous house in Ukraine, just right at the outskirts of Odessa. And uh, a week and a half ago, we had to evacuate our girls. They were woken up with shelling. There is 14 warships off the coast. About to, about to blow the most beautiful city you've ever seen. It's called the Pearl of the Black Sea. And Putin will pulverize it to dust. 80% of all commerce in Ukraine comes through the, the Odessa, the port of Odessa. And he is going to obliterate it, to starve all of Ukraine. And our girls thankfully are out. They're now living in. We just, God works in wonderful ways. We just finished our most recent house there called Betzer House. And we thought we we're going to take more Moldovan girls in. If you go there today, it's full of refugees from Ukraine. Um, the house parent has moved up, Maria and all the girls. And then a couple of girls wouldn't come unless they went to the orphanage and got their brothers, their little brothers. So they took the little brothers with them. And one one and got the mother who put her out in the orphanage and took her mother who abandoned her with her to keep her mother safe. So um, we, are, we are in the thick of it right now. This, since this whole thing happened, we've been giving away about $10,000 worth of food every day. We've been running um, from the border from uh romania from ukraine down to romania bringing families pastors called us and said our wives have got to go and um pavel one of our house parents we have a 21 passenger sprinter we're believing god for another vehicle really bad because we we bought one last week which was for cargo which holds two tons of cargo and we now need another another passenger vehicle and pavel drove up to the border and picked up these women and their babies and their kids And they said goodbye to their husbands, most likely for the last time, because the men can't leave the country. They've got to fight against the Russians. And um, Pavel said to me, he says, you've never seen anything so sad in your life, these dads kissing their babies goodbye, wailing, the mothers wailing as they got aboard our van to take them to Romania. You've never seen the like of this in your life. This is world-changing stuff. I don't know if you know it, but yesterday, Putin released one of those new missiles. I forget, what. someone tell me what they're called again. A hypersonic missile, goes 7,000 miles an hour, cannot be stopped. It is is like a, a, a nuclear bomb, and he just used one for the first time. We are living in perilous times, and where we are and what we're doing in these days, will determine who we are and how we stand in Christ. This is not the time for us to be afraid and pull back and become scared. And this is the time to be braver than we've ever been before. This is the time to go into the harvest fields that are white and the harvest and the laborers are still few. And um, so I've been battling between being there and being here, but I can raise money here. I can talk to folk about giving here and allow the kids that we've raised and supported for years to go into the highways and byways and preach the gospel to broken mums who are walking across borders with their kids with nothing except what they can carry and their houses and their homes and their jobs and their cars and everything they have has been gone, taken away from them and they've no way back. And we are fighting for the kingdom of God in the middle of this war, in this battle. Andrew, do you have that short video? Can you show that right now? I'm just going to talk, talk over it. You may have already shown it, did you? I, I don't know. I'm so, usually I'm so organized, but this thing is so big. And I'm getting all these snippets of things and need and, 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 and challenges. This is up at the border. That's inside one of our houses. And that's some of our boys and girls. All of those you see are orphans. Orphans putting together food baskets or food bags. And our kids, when they, when they come through the border, these parents, have, these moms have nowhere to go. They just open a bus door and they all run into the bus and go wherever the bus takes them. And um, they've got no water, no sandry products, you imagine. Walking for days, sitting in a car that's out of gas, and you can't—the car can't move because you've got no gas anymore because you've used all the gas up to heat the car in the in the below-zero nights. And um, our kids are there handing out these bags with fruit and 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 personal hygiene issues things. to to care for these moms and and babies and um, smile and a a hug and a a prayer. And um, these, these people, that's the refugee tents everywhere, all along the border, and we are in the middle of it. And I don't know why, but God arranged for me to be standing in front of you today. How many believe that God big doors swing on small hinges? That God has his ways to get people that are doing something. to, To challenge those that want to do something and don't know how to do and what to do. Well, we are here today to challenge this church. I make no apologies for this. I'm here, I believe, sent by God to challenge this church. To say unto you, what will you do to help those that have lost everything? Everything. I don't know if you noticed overnight last night or the the, the Putin just bombed a place with 400 kids in it did you see that 400 kids he is hell bent on utterly obliterating this society let me tell you why he's not crazy everyone's saying Putin's crazy he's the smartest man you'll ever met you know why because he wants to empty Ukraine of Ukrainians He wants to create such an outflow of refugees that there's no one left in the country. And then he will move Russian people into Ukraine and Ukraine will be an enclave like Crimea is. Exactly the same. The only difference is that Ukraine is the breadbasket of the world. You eat, you eat wheat grown in Ukraine it also is lithium and all the stuff we need the heavy metals it is one of those the richest countries in the world and if Putin can take this country he has just made a, the Russian country into a Russian Empire and that's what this battle is really all the people are to him is mush they don't count. It's what they're standing on that counts. And we just are excited. I believe that God, I, I really feel that God has taken us here for this day. And um, so there you go. I, I started making fun of the pastor in his uh, surfboard, and now I'm as serious as all get out. What a swing in a couple of minutes, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, I'm just so glad to be here. And I want to share with you just for a wee minute a thought that the Lord gave me this morning as I was praying. It's like, a, it's a, it's a, uh, what time did you only finish, by the way? I'd hate to be here at midnight, at uh, midday, and have these poor folks standing here, uh, sitting here. Five after. Five after. Oh, pfft. I can get myself in all kinds of trouble that length of the time, crying out loud. The Good Samaritan, famous, you know the story, one of those great stories that Jesus told. This is a story that Jesus told. So something happened during this story that attracted the king of the universe's attention. When Jesus tells you a story, it's not just filling up red letter editions in the scripture. When Jesus tells you something, there is a message of import, of kingdom importance in it. And uh, this is one of those amazing stories. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying, "'Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life?' And he said, Jesus said, "'What is written in the law? How, "'How do you read that?' And he answering, Thou shalt love the Lord with all thy God, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Interesting, isn't it? That God, that Jesus is putting all of these commandments together, and he's, and he's given equal parity to loving your neighbor as yourself it didn't say loving yourself i think we've kind of mixed this up in the in the modern church you know you got to love yourself you got to you know be kind to yourself and if you don't love yourself and it's all about self-realization and let me tell you something there's nothing better than putting yourself out beyond anywhere you've been before for someone else i will never meet these women that cross the border i will never know them i'll never know their kids But I will know that I haven't slept for days and days and days since this thing started, trying to find the funds to give them some bread and some fruit and some toiletries and a place to stay. And we've spent thousands and thousands of gallons or liters of diesel fuel faring them away from danger. They'll never know me. But that's not the purpose for this because I'm fulfilling what Jesus said to us. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart and your neighbor. Say, as yourself. I'm going to love them like I love me. Listen to this. And was said, the, the, and, and he said, I say it right. This do and you shall live, but he will justify. There's always someone in, in, in a relationship or a, a discourse with Jesus who wants to justify themselves. They want to explain why they're not, that's not them. You know, I, I love black people. I've got a friend who's a black person. And you think that's that's the excuse you can give, but what it doesn't really show is the the real heart that you might have in in the middle of the whole thing. So in justification of of what you feel doesn't make it right. It's what the Word of God says is right. If you just look at me, you make me nervous. (laughs) Two things cross my mind. One is that you're mad at me, and I haven't started yet. Honest to goodness, I haven't begun. And the other thing is you don't understand a word I'm saying. So so if you would once in a while go, or, or, amen. (laughs) Help me, Lord Jesus. Or as you would say, amen. That's what God says, amen. Amen. (laughs) And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. What God's looking for us today to do is to find people that are half dead. These cards that we're giving out today isn't just to get more people into your church, it's to bring life into into their life, to bring peace into their heart. This card, I've seen. I've seen growing up in Scotland. We we are famous for wool. The Scottish. I don't think you wear much wool in Florida, but the rest of the world wears wool. Take it. Take it from me. If you know. And uh, and uh, but I, I've I've looked I've I've seen lots and lots of, of lambs being born over my life. My mom would take me out as a young boy and and we'd watch the, the lambs being born in the field. amazing thing. And I've never watched in all my years and all the lambs I've seen born, I've never seen a shepherd give birth to a lamb. <laughs> have have you? Now sheep give birth to lambs, shepherds feed and protect and guide, but it's up to the flock to reproduce. And this Easter Sunday is a tremendous opportunity. Most folk won't come to church for just a regular Sunday, but they'll come for Easter. And um, so you're not just giving away cards, you are out there loving someone as yourself. What I believe, I believe it can change your life as well. And come and be with me and learn and see what community I'm part of. Listen to this. And and they wounded him, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. This priest is on his way to the temple. And he has got a religious restriction on him. He cannot help the man because if the man is bleeding and blood gets on him, he is unclean, so he can't do his duties in the temple. So if you were to stop this priest and this man dying with every heartbeat, he's, blood is seeping out of his body and he's dying in the dust like a dog. And if you were to stop this priest and say to him, hey man, why, why, why won't you help him? He would give you a religious reason. I can't do this because if I do this, then I can't serve God. And that man left that man dying on the side of the road and walked to the temple and went into the sanctuary and began to worship God knowing that he had left someone to die on the side of the road. Never let your religious belief stop you from getting your hands dirty. I've been amazed and and I'm, I'm encouraged that America is waking up to the horrors of abortion. And I'm so glad we're realizing that that baby is a baby, is a soul, is a life. But don't scream at the girl outside the abortion clinic. Adopt the baby. Love the baby. We can preach so easily and glibly to people about their need and to the drug addict and all these folks that are struggling. And you can say, come on, get, buck up. Get yourself together, man. Let's, let's get on with this. But we, we, but we won't get in the dirt and we won't get blood on us. And we won't commit ourselves beyond where we are. Because, well, that's, that, that's not my church. That, that's not, we, do, we don't do that. This is Jesus speaking. Listen to this. And then, uh, likewise, a Levite. Now, the Levite is the, the bean counter of the church. He's the guy that does the management of the church. So he, he's into money. And when he was at the place, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So this man came and came over and looked at him. And the guy's dying on the road. And he's saying, please help me, mister. Please don't, me let, don't let me die like this. Please don't let me die like this. And he's saying, Why, you're in a mess. Gosh, I don't know. You're going to have to have emergency treatment, I think. And that's a long way. It's out of my way and it's going to cost so much. When someone is dying beside the road, don't you dare add up your your numbers and let them hear you. I was moved. Did you see the other day that little boy that was stuck down a well? I think it was in Jordan or somewhere, it was was an, an Arab country, and he fell like 200 feet down the shaft, and they dug a mountain away to get this wee boy out, and they had a camera down, and they put oxygen down beside him and put food down beside him, and had this clear picture of this little beautiful boy sitting stuck down this shaft, and they dug and dug. The effort was unbelievable. I was fixated by it. And they got to him and they pulled him out and he died. But if someone at the top of that shaft had said, do you know how much manpower this is going to take? Do you know how much fuel we're going to waste? We're we're going we're going to save the world. No, you don't think like that. You say whatever it takes Dig until you get that boy out of that hole, whatever it costs. And here we have the Levite who was in the church, I'm sure, looking at the bills and looking at all the stuff and the needs of the church. And he had just turned his back on someone that was the reason for the church being there in the first place. We don't live and exist for ourselves. We are here to be God's hand extended in the world. It's the easiest thing. I did it for years. I know. We came from Scotland. And in, in my mid-thirties, I moved over here permanently. To, don't laugh. I lived in Montgomery, Alabama. <laughs> Is that the sad? <laughs> I've left you on that board, brother, out in the sea right now. I don't know if the shark's coming back for you yet or not. So just... <laughs> I moved to Montgomery, Alabama. And um, it... it, it I traveled in all of the, the, the circles and knew all the guys. Was in the clique, and uh, I lived such a selfish life. I spent six weeks in the summer in Scotland, two weeks at Easter time in Hawaii with my wife. Had a nice backyard and a Mercedes Benz and all the all the stuff that I ticked off when I was. G- looking to be successful i am sitting in my mid-30s and everything i needed and wanted was already in place and i was bored out of my mind and i wasn't challenged anymore and it got down to just writing another book or being on another tv program and and when my dad called me he didn't realize it but he saved me from myself i had no idea that that phone call would change my life forever that I picked up that phone and I heard my, my father's voice saying that our babies dying and it swapped my mind around and I've never been the same. And let me tell you this week, and I'm prophesying it in your life right now this week you will find someone, you will meet someone in a gas station or in your business or wherever it is and they fall amongst thieves and they're dying in their sin. And they have put no answers in their life. And they're going to die. there, are as sure as this man is going to die if someone doesn't get to him. And God sent you along. Not with a religious reason not to help or a money reason not to help. But God sent you along as a Samaritan. Now how many know that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get on very well? How many know that every time a Jew saw a Samaritan he cussed them out? They hated each other. Listen what happened. And it says, But a certain Samaritan... Now listen to the difference of the tone of the scripture. And a certain com- Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil, commitment to finance, wine that's an astringent, that's a a disinfectant, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, cutting off his escape. When that man is on his his beast, a horse, whatever it was, he, he can't escape. He is so identified with this dying man that if the thieves come, and I've been at the inn, I've been at the place where they say this all happened. It's in the middle of nowhere. And he's stuck. If, if they come back, he is as dead as the man on his, on his animal. And what God looks for us is to identify, put ourselves right in the space and say, well, listen, I'm going, I'm going to risk all to make sure this man makes it to safety. And he put him on his own animal and brought him into an inn and took care of him. So all night long, he was up with this guy looking after him. And in the morning, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave it to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever you spend more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now Jesus said to the lawyer, now which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell amongst thieves? And he says, him that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said unto him, go and do likewise. And I make no apology for this. I believe that God has his hand on this church. If you don't know what you have here, I'm in churches every week. I travel all over the country. Tonight, I'm back in Knoxville. Tomorrow, I'm in Branson, Missouri on television. My my life is spent traveling, meeting churches. There is something unique going on in this church. I think your third service is not going to be an answer to your problem. <sighs> I, don't, I don't want to break some bad news, but I don't think that's going to work. May for a couple of weeks, but other, after, after that, you're going to be in trouble all over again. God's hand is on this place, but it's not just to have nice services. What can we do to change the world that God has put us in at this particular moment? And that was the question I asked when I stood in that orphanage. And it changed my world. I saw the world completely different because I saw those that had not and wanted to make myself a conduit for their need to be met. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for my dear friends here today. Thank you for your voice that speaks to us so clearly And and cuts across our thought processes and helps us see new things and revelation comes into our heart. I pray on this church a vision and purpose that is way bigger than first thought. That this church from this part of Florida can wrap its arms around the whole world. So we're not just a church in a town on a road in Florida. But we're a world church with a world vision to transform the world we're living in. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 We have got, hold on a second. I've got, it shows me up there, I've got nine more minutes. And being a Scotsman, I'm going to s- squeeze every one of those minutes. <laughs> Would you like to see a couple minute video of what we're, we're actually doing all the time? And then we're going to come back and, and I'm going to ask you, while you're watching this video, pray. One of the great needs we have is monthly support. At this moment in Moldova, inflation is running at 17.5%. Gas is on ration. Food is, we had, un, we were buying $10,000 of food a pop. They've reduced it down to $2,000 because most of the food in Moldova comes from Ukraine. And um, so, I want, if you could watch this, if you'll bear with me just for a couple of minutes to see this video, and then we'll give you an opportunity to be a part of what we're doing. Okay, is that all right? Yeah. Okay, watch this for a second.
0: What do you do when you can hear the guns of war? all day and night what do you do when you are working all day and night helping people who have in a few hours gone from normal families with a job a house a car a dad to being homeless countryless fatherless our kids are there right now Apart from the ones who are working up at the border, helping Moldova's share of one million refugees, our precious kids got together in one of our homes and prayed. Oh, how they prayed. They prayed for the devastated families they're helping. They prayed for Ukraine, that this butchery would stop. They prayed for their little country to be spared and they prayed for you. They know that every single thing they give out to the refugees came from your generosity. They are your hand. God's hand extended into the middle of insanity. They prayed that you wouldn't get weary of giving. They prayed they wouldn't be forgotten. As this carnage greens on, and as we witness the mindless, heartless destruction of an entire nation, we need your help desperately. The flow of support is slowing. The consequences of this is dire. We committed to give out $10,000 a day in food and desperately needed supplies such as diapers, sanitary wipes, clothes, and blankets. It seems as if we may fail. Please, pray for the kids at Vatra Village, as they pray for you. Your gift will support our generosity toward the care of lost souls, who have walked away from everything, just to leave. We need you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. That young lady here speaking is Jasgul. She's a house parent, an orphan all her life. And uh, our kids make these videos for us. There's now two and a half million refugees, and that's a week old. That's how big this problem is getting. And whatever you give today, on Tuesday of this week, we have bought a thousand more blankets. At nighttime, it gets down to zero and it is brutally, deadly cold. So we took a step of faith and I says, let's believe God, we just got this van paid for. And I says, let's buy a thousand blankets. And they're just at $20 a blanket. So whatever you give today is gonna be sent there to pay that bill on Tuesday. Let the Lord talk to your heart. We have a card, very simple. It just says, change your life for a dollar a day. I talk about this on Daily Faith. If you'd like to help us, They have a card. Dasha, come forward, will you please? And Galina, both of these girls and and Yemi, come forward, young ladies. Both of these girls were orphans in Moldova and we rescued them both. Galina, in the gray, was an orphan for 15 years. Dasha, for seven. And um, so if you'd like to help us, just put your hand up and they'll come and give you a card. That's all, you know. Just the Lord speak your heart, and uh, take that card if you would, and fill it out. Take it back to the table after church. There's T-shirts and hood, hoodies, hoodies. That thing that she's wearing is a hoodie. It's a hoodie. And um, if you're gonna get a hoodie afterwards, why you want one in Florida, only the Lord knows, but never mind. It'll look great in your wardrobe. We've got books, Dasher wrote this book every 30 seconds. That's how often a young girl is trafficked. These are stories of lives we've reclaimed. This is a book on family salvation. This is the Bummer Lamb book. How I Adopted Andrew, it'll blow your mind. Anything that you want, if you go and fill out that card and go back to our table, we will give you a book as our appreciation for being part of what we're doing in Mold. How many will promise to pray for us? Will you please pray for our kids that are doing endless days and nights, nonstop? This morning, I noticed a picture on my on my um, Facebook and it was one of our girls coming back from the border at five o'clock in the morning. I've been up all night feeding refugees as they came into the country and um, you are helping us today to be his hand extended. Please pray with us. How many of you pray for these, these blankets by Tuesday in the name of Jesus? If, you, if, if you're a rich person, you need to invest in towels. I mean in blankets, sorry.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Philip. Thank you. Um, Tiffany and I have been in vocational ministry since 2003. And so we have been in circles with lots of pastors and Christian personalities. And um, I gotta tell you, sometimes uh, I'll be in a room full of ministry leaders, pastors, um, writers, authors, speakers. And I look around and I think to myself, do people, is this what people see when they see me? I literally think that to myself. Uh, God, God did not call us in a, in a traditional way and he hasn't wired us in a traditional way. And we're not trying to be a traditional church. You guys know that? We are trying to believe God for what he says about us. And we are trying to be who he put us here to be. And we're trying to create an environment where everyone can do that together and there are no obstacles to community. That's what we're committed to. And what I love about Philip and is the genuineness of, of his call and his ministry. And I, he sent me these books and to see the transformation that took place when he met Andrew and he went with his dad to Romania and the work that he has done since then, that that struck a chord with me because it's real, it's authentic. And it's, you know, it's real because it's sacrificial. You can see it, you can feel it. And so, thank god for crossing our paths christ church is a monthly supporter of the orphan's hands if you want to be a monthly supporter that's a great way with what uh philip has done but we're also gonna send an offering um you guys know we're in the middle of building so we've got we're halfway through a two-year generosity initiative we have had just tremendous faithfulness to support the mission and ministry of christ church and so i know you guys are giving sacrificially already that's not a question And so I don't know what it looks like for you to help what God's gonna put in your heart to do. I do want you to know that we are committed to investing in God's mission. Part of the reason we keep our staff at 40% or less of our budget is so that we have margin. Last year, we ran a surplus of over $100,000 and we're asking God, where does he want us to invest? We're not not in this to get rich. We're not in this to build an empire. Uh, We are here to be responsible, conservative, financially generous. And invest in ministry. And so if 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 you if you're not gonna be a monthly supporter, if you're looking, if God's put something on your heart to help today, um, we're not gonna take a special offering like plates aren't coming, buckets, baskets. Same way we always do things, we got our offering boxes on the back of the wall. We want our giving to be intentional and not manipulated. Amen. Um, but if you want to uh, be a part of the special offering for the Orphan's Hands, you can make your check to Christ Church and put the Orphan's Hands in the, in the memo. And we're going to make one check, which we'll get out. Um, and we'll get that information to you guys as soon as possible so you can know about uh, the blankets for Tuesday. And I want to ask you to just Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Um, and I just want to remind you uh, in closing who God says you are. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said to a group of people who were not the devout and religious elite. These were not the good people. These are the people who knew what they were called to be and hadn't been it. These are the Jews of of the countryside, the Galileans, these are the people who were just everyday people, who had an identity as being called and chosen, but whose lives did not look like the Lord was gonna move on their behalf. But when Jesus called those people together and he began to describe what the kingdom of heaven was meant to look like, when people would accept who God said they are, receive his forgiveness and and be empowered by his Holy Spirit. And at the end of that sermon on the Mount, he said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You, You, the way you live your life is meant to illuminate to other people what's real. Listen, we're going into an era of darkness. But the amazing thing about coming darkness is that little lights shine all the brighter. And so I'm just inviting you to be who God says you are and to do what God says you're supposed to do. I'm not going to tell you what that is. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you he's a better boss than me. But let's respond in obedience. Amen. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you have a solution to the problem of sin and death and the problem of the curse on this creation and that you have moved in space time to not only ransom people for yourself and to build a kingdom on earth that will infiltrate and overtake the powers of darkness, but you yourself have appointed a time when you will return to judge the earth and restore creation to what your original design was, God, and that there will be those lost men and women, just like this certain man left for dead on the side of the road, rescued, restored, healed because of who you are. God, it is your spirit in us that drives us to live unselfishly, to think bigger than our own needs God, to see ourselves as being a part of your global solution. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you in this moment that you would just speak directly to each one of our hearts. Lord, we don't want to gain anything, earn anything, impress you. God, we are just wanting to hear from you so that we can obey you, so that we can honor you, and so that we can partner and participate in what you are doing. God, we want to be useful to you like light and darkness, and like the preserving power of of salt and the flavor enhancer. God, we want to, to make you known everywhere we go. And so we just invite you, Holy Spirit, speak to us, direct us, and give us the faith to obey and respond. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. Amen, let's stand, we're gonna close with a song.